You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie. I am here with Brigham and Lena, husband and wife, and they're here to share their story from their perspectives of postpartum and what they experienced. And I'm just so grateful you guys are willing to share. So thank you for coming tonight. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So let's start from the beginning. Um, How many kids do you guys have? We have two boys. Elijah is 11 and Max is eight. Awesome. And um, prior to having kids, had either of you really heard much about postpartum, any kind of history with mental illness or anything like that at all? Not me. Definitely not postpartum depression. Like you always hear about, you know, things happen, but not really. And my previous girlfriend before Lena, she had, she she was, I would suffer a little bit of manic depression, Mm -hmm. but I would hardly ever see it. And so it just never sank in. Yeah. That was about it for me. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, you know, you hear little bits and pieces here and there, but never really in depth or like what to expect or what to look out for. Never anything kind of along those lines as far as the severity that it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, all you all, the only thing that comes to mind is um I think her name was Andrea Yates, that mom who like drowned all of her babies. Yeah. That's like the only experience I had where those really like extreme. extreme. And you don't think you have it if you don't feel that right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't want to drown my babies. So <laughs> what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. you know, when, you, when you hear things like that, you immediately your brain goes to like, oh, she's horrible. She's yeah. crazy. She's evil. Judgment. You never think be, in, be past that. You never really go, well, what would cause somebody to grab their babies and mm-hmm. yeah, we, we're pretty quick to judge mm-hmm. that's so true that's part of what our passion is here is it's like it's happening to people we know you know what i mean just right. regular people like we don't ask for it we don't do it's not like we're living this terrible life so we deserve to have postpartum it just it happens it's awful so um did you experience anything like that with your first when did it kind of come I, on i did but I didn't know that that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a couple of moments of, I don't know, just like extreme, like stress and frustration. And I thought, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just because I have this new baby and I don't know what I'm doing. Or, you know, I thought I was maybe just being irrational. But in hindsight, there were definitely some really... (laughs) telltale signs like um i don't know if you remember this brigham but your birthday after so elijah was born in august his birthday's in march so elijah was a little bit older a couple months by then and something had happened getting ready for your birthday party and i got so stressed out that i cut myself Mm -hmm. had you done that before in high school a little Mm -hmm. bit you know nothing but it had been so long and i thought i was like more mature now and why would I ever but I never thought I never realized how bad it was until like the next day I was like what did I just do because you know up until that point I just thought I was like an overwhelmed 
new mom. Like, it never occurred to me that I could be sad or depressed or, like, that it could be mm-hmm. postpartum depression. And did yeah. you have any kind of, like, um, traumatic childbirth with your first? Like, anything that would cause trauma or just... Because, you know, because I, I always have tried to piece together, is it traumatic childbirth? Like, what causes this? And I've not found that it's a common denominator for anybody. Right. Um, with Elijah, the childbirth was a little bit stressful. I mean, thanks to modern medicine, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, ended up not being a big deal. But if, you know, we were in pioneer times, <laughs> I don't think we would have <laughs> made it. Um, but, you know, there I did end up having an emergency C-section after like 17 hours of labor. And I, you know c-section was like the last thing i wanted so i mean and then they ended up having to knock me out because my epidural wore off during the c-section and just but i really didn't think much of it other because i just wanted to get the darn baby out of me so bad you know i wasn't really thinking about what the experience was at the time but with my second one my postpartum was much 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 worse but that one was like an easy scheduled c-section everything went great everything was fine like i almost missed it it was so normal yeah serious (laughs) like it's just funny because we knew what's gonna happen and so they went took her in got me ready and when i get there the doctors already opened her up and i'm like hey uh okay go as you you were i'm sorry to interrupt And with but, the first, did you did you talk to him at all about the way you felt, like anything like that? It was just kind of like you just experienced a little bit of it, not knowing you were going through it, and then moved on to the second. Baby. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't any. No, I don't think I ever said anything, or because my experience has been is when you're in the middle of it, it is so hard to recognize it because your brain doesn't behave rationally Mm -hmm. that it's not until you're past it that you can look back and say, oh, there was something wrong with me. So I think in the moment I didn't even realize it was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely by Max, our second, I knew something was very wrong. So when did that kick in? Um, Probably when he was about six months old. I mean, there's always the initial baby blues. You get the hormonal ones, you know, right after the baby comes out and you have like two days where you cry for no reason. (laughs) And you think, you know, the nurse takes your baby to clean him and you think they've kidnapped him. (laughs) (laughs) All the crazy thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. But then um, everything seemed fine. We bought a house. We moved in. Um he was born in February and by the fall is when I started to really have these really awful thoughts and I was just sad and I it's like I couldn't think straight about anything um I remember one night being so desperate for something I was like sobbing in the office downstairs googling postpartum depression to try and find any kind of help or relief or like a hotline I could call because I just felt like I felt literally insane like I don't know how else to describe it but I just felt like straight out crazy Mm -hmm. like there was a part of my brain that was like there's something very wrong but the other part of my brain was just like completely hysterical and at that point, had you, had, were you aware of any changes in her personality? It's so crazy when you have a new baby because it's almost hard to be on the same page because you're like, you're tired, you're exhausted. Like, there's just, 
I found with so many couples, it's hard to be on that same page and even to catch on to those kinds of things. Yeah. No, it's, it's really it's hard because so for a couple of reasons. One, so I, when I was working, I was traveling mm-hmm. a lot. And so I was going a lot of weekends. I was, especially those first couple of years, I was gone a lot, like way too much. And so, yeah, you realize that there's stress. And so you always chuck it up to stress. Oh, she's just having a bad day. Oh, she's mm-hmm. just tired. Oh, you know, whatever. It's, you know, the time of the month. Like, it just, there's so many cliches out there that you're used to hearing. And it's sometimes it's just easier, maybe because you're afraid that you're going to open up a kind of worms. Yeah. That it's just easier to chuck it up to, ah, she's just tired. Oh, it's the baby. It's understandable. All right. I'll just mm-hmm. take my whippings and, you know, and just tomorrow she'll be better. Instead of going, well, she wasn't like this six months ago. Yeah. So what's what's changed and then keeping track of how long it's been so yeah it's 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 tricky Mm -hmm. and i think the main thing is that it can happen to to anybody like like, again she wasn't this way six months ago and now it's completely you know different i say i should have caught it but at the same time i try not to beat myself up too much over because Mm -hmm. i go well i didn't know i was young i was stupid inexperienced but now it's time to really that yeah talk about it and and, mm-hmm. and and be more i don't know just be more more aware of things because it doesn't just go away uh you don't outgrow it sometimes yeah yep and so it's there's still a lot of residuals from that yeah definitely what was when you say that you when you had thoughts and things like that are you comfortable sharing what some of those were like how yeah what were those what did it mean to you to have postpartum what did it look like for you um to me it was just complete and total feelings of failure and I can't do this and the littlest things would make me so upset um and just feeling so inadequate and so I don't know like helpless like nothing I ever did was not that I mean Brigham of course never made me feel this way it was all very internal but it was all like I'm not good enough I can't do this and it was um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of mm-hmm. anxious feelings. Um, but yeah, it was just... And then eventually, there were some things that happened in our personal life with family that caused it to spiral out of control to the point where I became suicidal. You know, it became... It turned into the where I thought, you know, the world is better off without me. If I do it now when my kids are little, he'll remarry. He's cute. You know, they'll get a new mom, a better mom who's not crazy. You know, all these things. And I was like, it would cause so much. It would, I thought it would be like a relief to everybody if I was just gone because I was just, I felt so crazy, you know. Um, But yeah, it, it eventually turned into just a lot of anxiety and fear and stress that turned into eventually suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. and I never wanted to like harm my kids or anything but it was very much a Mm self-harm that I was like looking to do or to escape from how awful I was feeling um but yeah so lots of that and did you 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 had said you had googled things had you attempted to talk to a doctor or or Brigham like at what point did the next step of any kind happen um I had talked to him about it some I specifically remember walking to a jazz game with you and we had left the boys either with my mom or your mom 
And you kind of had like hinted at, well, are you, do you feel suicidal? And we had this very serious conversation on the side of the road in Salt Lake City. And I'm just sitting, standing there sobbing, being like, yes, I do want to kill myself because this and this and this and this. Um, so eventually we did talk about it and kind of talking about it with him helped a little bit. It helped me feel not so alone and it kind of eased those feelings for a little while. Um, but I didn't see a doctor about anything until 2016 and Max was born in 2011. So it took me five years to get up the courage to finally go to the doctor and say, Hey, (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah. at that point, I feel like it's no longer postpartum depression, but like yeah. full blown regular depression. And that's kind of how it was for me, too. It just kind of, it, I mean, I still, I still feel that way, you know? Yeah. So can I ask you why you didn't go? Because I think like this is why we started this podcast, because there's so many awesome movements out there that are out there to help the medical industry ask the moms questions and check on the moms. And I'm like, what about the moms that don't go to the doctor? Yeah, they need to hear something. They need to hear a podcast or a message to help them feel less alone or to find out what they could what they can do for self care that's outside of that. So the fear of like having your babies taken away or having to be on medication that will change you or whatever. So Mm -hmm. can you kind of like tell us what that was like? Um, For me, a lot of it was fear of people taking my babies away or if they had you know any whisperings that I'd like cut myself once Mm -hmm. you know um I remember sitting with my sister-in-law talking um kind of in the middle of like a really bad period and she she was so worried I was going to do something Mm -hmm. (laughs) that she was like trying to talk me out of it and just being like no you got to focus on them and you know all that kind of stuff but I think a lot of it was not only that fear but just not so much that a doctor wouldn't believe me, but that maybe in my head it was way worse than I was making it out to be, that I'm being irrational, that I'm not, you know, doing something I need to be doing, you know. And another part of it was I was nursing my son and I was worried that I would have to stop um, if they put me on something and I didn't want to yet. I wasn't ready to and mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff. And... So losing that connection, because I felt like that was like the one time (laughs) that it was that everything would be okay. So I didn't want to lose that because I was so (laughs) depressed that I didn't talk to my kids like hardly ever. Like I would be so anxious and frustrated and upset that I would go almost a whole day without really talking to my kids like I'd be like are you hungry you know I mean Mm -hmm. I would communicate with them but I wouldn't like sit there and talk to them and you know they always say that when you have a new baby you're supposed to like read them books and do all these things I never did that because I think I was just so darn gone that I couldn't fathom doing something like that and our youngest actually has a speech disorder and I, so much of myself blames myself because it's like I never talked to the kid he didn't know what words sounded like so he couldn't talk when he started to talk anyways so that's kind of you know then the guilt comes in and all this stuff it's just like a terrible cycle but yeah a lot of it was fear and thinking that it really isn't that bad and I'm being dramatic because 
as much as I love my parents, that was a, a phrase I got a lot. You're being dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was just ingrained to me as you're you downplay it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're wired to do that because we never want to admit that we need help. Mm-hmm. Even when we do, we're, we're taught to just downplay it. Like, again, you'll be fine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you go, well, you'll be fine tomorrow. And I think there's some cases where it's okay to just go, I won't quit today. Like when you go to the gym, I won't quit today. I'll quit yeah. tomorrow. But this is very different. This is for something, it's, it's a pattern and eventually you just got to come to terms with it. But like you said, there's just so many expectations. Like nowadays it feels like, like you're supposed to read to your kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And or you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. And so if one of those things starts to fall through, all of a sudden you do feel like a failure, even though it's insignificant. Like, I mean, I don't remember if my mom read to me. I'm going to go with probably not because we live in a third world country without washer and, you know, in a dryer mm-hmm. with a dishwasher. Like she did everything. So but she might have been like, you know, rocking me with her foot on this you know? <laughs> yeah. as, she's, as she's doing stuff. But I'm, I'm pretty sure she didn't have like quality reading time with me when I was eight months old. And, you know, I mean, I'm as normal as, as it gets. Like, I'm not, you know, like, it, it didn't scar me. Yeah. But nowadays, like, if you're not doing that, if you're not, there's a lot of things that if you're not doing, oh, my gosh, I didn't, you know, do uh, skin, you know, skin to skin. Oh, yeah. I didn't do this, you know, or, you know, or, you know, breastfeeding. I didn't do this. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's all these expectations that if you don't do all these things, your kid's going to turn out wrong. Mm-hmm. So, no wonder we all have anxiety. Yeah. Know, right? And, and if you look at history, I mean... It's it, within the last twenty years that all these expectations have been, you know, placed in us. And I think, it does does it help? Sure. Well, it's good for the children to have mm-hmm. it, you know, absolutely. But is it a life of life or death? I think no. So mm-hmm. if you don't get to it, you don't get to it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she always stressed about that or the house being immaculate. All these just little things that it's in your control. So you, you know, you, you want to control it. But I always thought if the kids are fed, if they're alive, if they're you know clean then it's a win for, for the day. Yeah. But at the time, I mean, you know, don't know what's going through her head. And it, it gets to be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And then from a, from a husband perspective, <clears throat> I, I would think, again, I, I should have paid more attention. I should have been braver as well. Um, you know, guys are fixers. And we see a problem and we want to fix it. We never just sit there to listen to it, you know, and to let, you know, in our wives vent. So if here's something is, well, I'm feeling this way. Well, have you tried this? Yeah. Right? Well, I'm feeling this way. Well, have you done this? No? <laughs> well, you, then you got to do it because th- that'll definitely take care of that. And you, you little by little, you start learning. Just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And if she says do something, then you do something. Yeah, you guys hear that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get to that point where you just say, just shut up, listen. If she wants something, she'll ask you. Mm-hmm. And if not, just go, okay, I, I hear you and just leave it alone. Um, but there is something to be said also where... She remember I don't remember the jazz talk, you, you know, <laughs> but I do remember one night, you know, sitting in bed where she said, I've had this really deep depression ever since Max was born. And I, I can't quite pinpoint it. But at that point, it seemed to me like it was like 16 or 18 months later. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to think you've been carrying this for 16 or 18 months without saying anything, you know, it, so it, it, it made me feel really crappy mm-hmm. because I, 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 again, you go. Like, why didn't I, why didn't I notice? Like, why didn't I look for patterns? And where was I being a chicken not bringing it up? Because you never want to hear, you know, your wife is dealing with, you know, depression, right? It's just, I get the stigma that it carries. You never want to hear mm-hmm. that. Also, because if that is the case, now you, now you got something in your hands that's, it's, it's real. 
and it's it's dangerous and it can spiral out of control like you said very very quickly mm -hmm. and so again you'd rather leave it you know buried if you will but if i guess you know somebody out there is listening and you're thinking should i say something yeah say something mm -hmm. because also i think husbands love their wives and if they're they come out asking for help they'll do something about it but we're just not clever enough to figure it out on our own you know we just we're not so we need a little a little bit of help and i i, I do wish that it, you know something i don't know something would have broken earlier than than it did because then we could have gotten help earlier mm -hmm. but if if we fast forward from you know from that point to 2016 there's still a few years still a, quite a few years where we said okay we talked about it and kind of wash her hands mm -hmm. right because we talked about it instead mm -hmm. of being proactive until 2016 when she had a really bad you know breakdown and i just had happened to come home from uh, from work like in the middle of the day when she had a full-blown breakdown and that's where that's the first time where i thought okay this is a life or, or death situation mm -hmm. and again why let it get to that point because and i think just how fortunate you know it was that I was home at that moment when that happened. No kidding. Instead of, oh, I know it was really busy at the office. Can I come later today? I'll see you tonight. Um, there's little, you know, tender mercies that happen, and you mm -hmm. and you're grateful for those. But um, other other people don't have that luxury, and they don't get home on time. Yeah. They don't get to have the conversation on time. And so the sooner and the faster they get, you know, have that conversation with their spouse, because I mean. It happens to husbands as well. Mm -hmm. So if it's if it's a wife, it's a husband, and you're, you're feeling it, just let it, let it out in the open because it's gonna it's gonna blow up sooner or later. Yep. It will. It always does. So when you in 2016, the the breakdown he's kind of talking about, mm -hmm. um, what would you say? Kind of just made it all explode and what did that like look triggered like? it kind yeah of. um i don't know to be perfectly honest i have no idea i had kind of gone back to school a little bit and both of the boys were in school i mean max was only in kindergarten but you know i still had i finally had some time to myself where you know my kids weren't around and it was exciting but it almost made it worse mm -hmm. to a point where I think I finally had time to sit and be quiet with all of these thoughts that I had been trying to suppress for years yeah. and they were creeping up to the surface and going back to school and I always have this <laughs> you know one of my underlying things is I'm not smart enough you know I have a genius brother a genius sister <laughs> And here's little old, you know, be average, the average me. <laughs> and so um, it was, you know, those feelings kind of, of you're not smart enough, you can't really do this to, you know, your kids are in school, but your kid needs speech because, and then, you know, I think, oh, it's because I didn't ever read to my kid and just lots of little things. And then finally having that quiet time to sit by myself and that's kind of when the thoughts would spiral out of control and just turn really negative and really awful and just became overwhelming, you know. You know, another thing is, you know, having, so having worked in the health industry, you know, wellness, if you will, 
you get to hear a lot of negatives about medication. Mm-hmm. Oh, medication will make you this, it'll turn you into this, and you know, after 30 years, you're gonna get cancer and you're gonna die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so you always have this, you know, the stigma behind that, so, well, I don't, I don't want my wife to like end up with dementia because she took this, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want my wife to end up with cancer because she took this medication. And then, you know, once we uh, we took our our, young, our oldest to a doctor because he was having some attention deficits, you know, these the issues there. And then I asked him the same question, but what's the long term? You know, what happens in ten years of him doing this? And he said something. It was very subtle, you know, but it just it impacted me. And he said, I'm more worried about what happens in the next two years if he doesn't. Wow. And then that really stuck, in, you know, in my head. And I thought, you know, kind of the same situation. Well, is it 10 years down the road if she doesn't take it? Is it three years down the road if she doesn't take it? Like, what, you know, let's just take care of the problem right now and figure out the rest as, as it goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do feel that, you know, we've been given this, this knowledge, you know, it's been inspired knowledge to have all these medications and all these people that know things. You know, to give us a fighting chance. Again, 40, 50 years ago, you know, people used to die from all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. who knows if a lot of those things were, for example, you know, recently I, had, I heard somebody, you know, a guy talk about feeling deep, deep depression. And he said, there were times where I would just sit there in front of a, you know, oncoming train and I would go, I can just move up ahead a little bit and it will be over right now. Mm-hmm. And so you think how many, you know, quote unquote accidents happened because somebody, had those thoughts and they said it's just this is the easiest way nobody feels guilty um because they didn't get the the right treatment so we have that stuff nowadays it's it's okay to use it i guess what i'm saying yeah i agree forget about the stigma forget about the taboo who cares if you know you're judged just take care of yourself until you figure out the next step Mm -hmm. i totally agree so that day when that all happened did you go to the doctor that day did you what kind of i think i went Within the week, I went and... To, like, your family doctor? Yeah, just my family doctor. I had no idea where else to go. For a long time, I thought I would have to go to some kind of, like, psychiatrist to get any kind of medicine like that. But I just went to my family doctor, mainly looking for, like, can you point me in the direction of where I can go to get this help that I need? And instead, because they always have, whenever you go in for any kind of mental health appointment, they have you fill out this awful form (laughs) that I hate that says you know on a scale of one to ten how do you feel about this and do you have thoughts of suicide and you know anyways he took one look at my form he's like well we're gonna get you started on some medicine (laughs) and so I know a lot of people downplay those forms so good for you for actually being truthful when you filled it out yeah yeah no I was like well you know in my head I was like if they take me away, maybe I'll get a good night's sleep. <laughs> so maybe a bunch of at, sleeping pills. And yeah, take a nap. yeah. But that's look, in that day though, when she had the breakdown, that was the main thing that I, I, I thought. I said, "Do we need to?" I asked you, "Should I? Should we go to the hospital right now?" Yeah, because it, it really was. It was that serious, and it really becomes a life or death situation. Like I see those forms, and and I don't know, maybe. It, Again, I was just fortunate for the situation, but if somebody goes into that, like have your spouse go there with you because they need to be aware mm-hmm. of how serious that can be. And maybe you haven't had a chance to be completely honest about your thoughts, but filling out that form, if they can just sit there and watch you fill it out, then it can be an eye-opening experience for them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's actually really, really good advice. Because it, it's, 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 
it's a two it's, it's not her problem like it, it's her story right and it's her main burden you know to carry but she shouldn't have to go through it alone mm-hmm. and like nobody should have to be going through it alone um and so it, it, it is her burden to carry but it is also my responsibility to just lighten it where i can again not trying to fix the problem mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> we're not we're not we can't fix it but we can make it lighter where we can um, I think going through this has opened my eyes to a lot of understanding. There's times when she would go to therapy and I would say, what, what did they talk to you about? And she said, well, they said this and this. And so, for example, I've, I've, I've learned that sometimes she just needs to go and cry it out. Just yeah. leave, leave her alone. Uh, she needs her, you know, her time, you know, just th- 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 it makes it easier to understand why she does certain things. And so now I don't go, oh, there she is again. She's mad for mm-hmm. nothing. You know, oh, what did I do this time? It's just... Oh no, she's just she needs her time right now, and, and so that makes it easier for me to again just yeah just to, to let in the little. She can go and you know on a drive for an hour, you know, um, and I don't have to be mad because she left. Yeah, not that she does this all the time, but you know she did it the other day. Um, you know she just you know went for a drive. Then I don't have to feel like oh, she that was so rude. Yeah, you, you understand it more. Oh, and take it less personal. Yeah. Oh, that's a yeah. that's a childish. Uh, thing to do mm-hmm. to walk out come on mm-hmm. right like you you get to understand all the different things and how that works and then it makes it easier not just for her because she can then feel free to do those things mm-hmm. but also for me to just be like you know where, where mom go oh she just went for a drive yeah you know and then you move on and I, my friend the other day was saying something um someone had told her where the wife told the husband i'll take care of the baby you take care of me yeah. And that was so profound. I was like, that's amazing. It's such a simple thing, but really like, you know, we, we've got the baby thing. That's we've yeah. got all the parts <laughs> like we're good, yeah. but take care of me, you know? And I think right. that what you said basically is that too, like just, yeah. So do you, between now and, and 2016, what's changed for you? Where, why are you here? Um, <laughs> I, I did finally get help, and it took a while to kind of figure out medicines and stuff. The first medicine they put me on made me feel what I would assume to be the feeling of drunk. <laughs> like, you know, it just made me so sleepy and loopy and out of it. And I remember going to pick up Elijah from school, and we would walk there. I think I'm pretty sure I walked there this time. I, I'm terrified to think if I would have driven because... I was not in a state to drive. And I just remember lying on the grass in front of his school, waiting for him to come out. And thankfully, I had friends around sitting next to me, so it didn't seem so weird. But, um, like, that's how, like, drowsy that medicine made me. So I actually went off of it pretty quickly, and then I didn't go on anything for a while um, until, again, I had another kind of rough couple weeks, and then we finally found... I finally, it was actually a nurse practitioner at my doctor's office who um, was not only super understanding, but she's like, we're going to fix it. And if we try this and it doesn't work, then we're going to try this. And if this doesn't work, then we're going to, and she had backup plan for backup plan for backup plan. And that was really comforting to know, like, okay, there's nothing wrong with you. It just, this might work for somebody. It doesn't work for you. And kind of figuring all that out. And then. We also have a neighbor who's a doctor at the same practice that we ended up seeing 
once during a really bad time because I just felt like I needed to go to somebody who would know I wasn't faking it, you know, because yeah. <laughs> that's always the fear is someone's going to think, oh, she's just in here for Xanax or, you know, she's just looking for this or that. Um, I knew that if we went to him, um, and he also has a daughter with depression. I knew if we went to him, I would be heard and understood and listened to. And so it was really nice to know that he was there. But back when Max was a baby and all this was happening, we didn't know him yet. You know? yeah. And I felt like there wasn't a lot of resources or places to go or like I didn't even think like I think at the time I didn't have a family we didn't have a family doctor we had Mm -hmm. the boys had a pediatrician I had my OB and then anything else we would go to Instacare for you know Mm -hmm. there wasn't like a consistent doctor we were seeing that I felt comfortable enough going to and saying hey I have this problem or I was even looking for some kind of like support group or something like somewhere to go where I could just talk to somebody and I you know I mean, I guess it was only eight years ago, but I couldn't find anything. Like, you know, there was lots of like, oh, the New York Center for, you know, and it's like, yeah. I'm all the way in Springville, <laughs> Utah. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not really convenient for me. And it was really frustrating to not feel like there was anywhere to turn for yeah. a long time. But I feel like it's getting much better. It is. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And when did you do start going to therapy? I went to therapy briefly. I went... I started going like October of last year and then I stopped going in March of this year. So I only went for like six months Mm -hmm. Um, and it was helpful, but I really wish I had done my research a little more. I mean, I loved her. She was a great therapist, but I don't think we were a good fit for what I was needing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really wish there were more therapists and doctors and things that said, I'm good at dealing with postpartum depression and how we found our nurse practitioner was kind of that way is um, I had asked my doctor hey is there somebody <laughs> I didn't want to be rude like is there somebody else I could see but <laughs> he is the one who kind of recommended her and said hey she's really good at this she does a lot of this you know she's been through it she understands um, if you want you can continue seeing me that's fine but you can also go to her if that would make you more comfortable And so I think that was really helpful. But again, this was five years later. And Mm -hmm. um, I really wish like back then I had had, you know, that kind of resource or help or anything Mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't have had to have five years of struggling. I mean, they weren't all bad. Like, you know, they were good times and bad times. But um, I think because I had suppressed it for so long, it turned into that moment of, do I need to take you to the hospital because yeah. of how upset I was and how just yeah. gone I was, I guess. You know, it, and it is, you know, it is scary for uh, obviously many, you know, many reasons. But, um, it, yeah, that is the, the main thing is that if it's like a volcano, like it's going to blow up. Like you don't get to control when, where or how it's going to blow up. The, and the longer you hide it, the bigger the explosion. And, you know, hopefully you know again hopefully you're there when it happens because she was alone in the house by herself when Mm -hmm. she was feeling this way so i I know i was fortunate to have been there walked in at that time i don't think i was in the the house for 10 minutes before 
And I just I noticed there was something wrong. I said, "What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong?" Until she, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of exploded. And I do have some vague memories of almost like wishing somebody would notice. Like, because I didn't know how to bring it up and I didn't know how to talk about it. Wishing someone would be like, hey, I've noticed things are different. Are you okay? But that never happened. Like, that moment never happened. And I wish I was brave enough, like in hindsight, to have said, hey, I have a problem. (laughs) You know, but it's, I don't know, it's terrifying. It really is. And and one of the, what we always ask, and I'll ask it too, because... This is like what we, the last topic we kind of go over on every podcast is what, and I want to ask both of you this, is what do you wish you would have known? Or what's, I mean, we've kind of gone over a little bit of that, but what would you tell a mom right now who's listening to this who hasn't told anybody, even if it's five years out, or doesn't want to tell anyone, or wants to be heard, but doesn't want to speak up? Like, what would you say to that mom? Gosh, I don't know. (laughs) I would probably say um, if you can find somebody that you trust and feel safe and comfortable with, talk to them. Um, You don't have to suffer in silence um, because it can get better. I think one of the really hard things is when you're in the middle of it and it's really dark and awful, it just feels like you know, there's no hope and it's never going to get better. And well, this is my life. Well, if this is my life, then why do I want to keep, you know, going? And it's just kind of this awful spiral. But um, I think I didn't understand how much better it could get um, because you just feel like there's no fixing it. But I mean, it is possible to feel better and it is possible to get the help that you need and the relief that you need and to finally be able to you know go through a day without feeling awful or terrible or you know just so depressed that you can't function and um but yeah there there is there is help (laughs) and it's worth it it's definitely worth it and I wish someone had said your baby will survive if you don't breastfeed him for two years. Oh, like, seriously. Um, get on the medicine. And you can now, they say you can take most medications when you're nursing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah see, I, did, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we would have to quit everything. And, um, you know, I was on thyroid medicine and I thought I would have to get off my thyroid. Thankfully, my doctor's like, no, you don't. I thought I was going to gain <laughs> know, like 400 right? pounds and <laughs> all this stuff. But, um I really think that it's important to be brave and step up and say, I'm not being irrational. I'm not being dramatic. I have a serious problem and it needs to be fixed, addressed, and I need help. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just go find out. Yeah. Know? Hey, maybe maybe you are being irrational, but you won't know until you, yeah. you know. Until you know. <laughs> yeah, until you go check it out. And if, and if you are being irrational, well, great. At least, at least now you're, you know, you're yeah. certain that you're fine, but but what if what if you're not yep and then you know from my perspective is if if you haven't said anything to anybody say something Mm -hmm. um you know if 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 it's you know this is a husband listening ask the question you have have you noticed your your wife mood you know things that weren't there before ask the question and even if you haven't noticed anything ask the question say do you uh, do you feel okay like is there something that is there something that's changed that maybe we can get a hold of right now um, is there something that you're not telling me? And then on the wife's side of things is 
talk to your husband. Yeah, definitely find somebody that you can trust. But tell them because they might be making things worse for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. not meaning, <laughs> not meaning to do it, but they could be, I guess, again, brushing it off because they don't know, they don't notice it. So they might just be brushing it off, making it worse. Or if you're like me, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I try to be cheery and I try to be, you know, happy all the time, and, and it, it doesn't help. You know, it, I don't know. It maybe it made you feel guilty, you know, that I was trying to be happy and positive all the time when you're feeling this way. It's kind of like when, I don't know, you go, you go to the, the gym and somebody's asking you to run 30 miles and you're like, I can only run one. Oh, but if you have a positive attitude, you can totally do it. And you're like, you're, you're just like, making I me... hope you trip and fall off the treadmill. Exactly, right? <laughs> and now you're just making me feel bad because I can't even do a mile. Like, shut up. And, <laughs> and, and, and so we might make, yeah, we might be making it worse by accident and unknowingly and, you know, without meaning to, um, but because it's because we don't know. I think that's the scariest thing is not knowing. So if, if you're a wife, say something right right away. If you're a husband, ask the question. And if it's a no, awesome. But mm -hmm. if it's a yes, then I think they'll be very, very happy to have done it because th there needs to be more awareness. Like I think I mentioned it to you. It, it needs to be spoken about like when somebody has, you know, a, a, the flu, right? Mm -hmm. you, got, you got the flu, you're not feeling good. Okay, well, yeah, don't come into work. Yeah. Um, or, you know, when you get pneumonia, you know, it's just, it, it's an illness that can be talked about so that people understand what you're going through. Like if somebody gets cancer, they don't go, well, uh, how long do you think you'll be out? <laughs> yeah. Nobody, right? Nobody treats it that way. <laughs> yeah. But when this is like, well, uh, when do you think you'll feel better? Yeah. It, 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 and I'm not comparing the, the two of them. I know they're completely, completely different, but we can't have a stigma to where it's okay to talk about this illness. But it's not okay to talk about this one, and, and it's not your fault if you get this. But somehow it's it's your fault if you're depressed, you know. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. And so that needs to be. I think that needs to change because uh, re recently I've learned about people who have had little episodes, you know, small as they might be. But I I know them. I go, really? Mm -hmm. You know, like this. In, uh, one of our neighborly guys. Really? Wow. It can't happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and even after um, I had our son, my husband, who you know, um, had to travel for work for like six or eight weeks to Malaysia or somewhere like that, right? Oh my gosh. And it was just a really bad time for us. And, and I didn't recognize I'd had postpartum. I think our son was like three or four years old or months old, sorry. Um, we just moved back from Canada. And just barely I found out that during that time frame, my husband was in a terrible state. Like, I had no clue. I mean, there's no really no way I would have because I was in my own craziness, right? Right, yeah. But it's it's that, too. It's like, this is an adjustment for the dads, too. Like, this is difficult for them. And then for him to be gone for that long, and it just disconnects you. And so many of the women that share their stories have husbands that travel or that are in school all the time. And, and so it, it is. It's like, I knew that he was gone, so I, I felt uncomfortable telling him how I was feeling because I didn't want him to feel the guilt. Right. Or I didn't want him to feel like he needed to not work anymore. I didn't want to be needy. I didn't want... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But So it's so awesome to hear your perspective because, I mean, that, that stopped me from opening up to him. And in fact, if I would have, maybe he would have felt better, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and he, he would have been able to say something to you yeah. at the same time. Absolutely. 
they might be helpful, you know, even just to have a weekly mental health check with your partner and be mm-hmm. like, how are you doing? What are you feeling? What what are you lacking? What are you needing? What can I help with? And just kind of do that with each other. And then, you know, everyone's kind of on the same page. And if you're struggling, you can just, you know, bring it up. Be like, this has been really hard for me this week. And I've been struggling because of this and this, you know, and just kind of checking in with each other with each other regularly I think would be maybe one of the best kind of low pressure ways to to deal with it or talk about it or bring it up even and just you know because I feel like communication is everything because you know we're not mind readers I know even though sometimes it'll be so nice (laughs) we can just um but you know I feel like we have to be really open about what's going on and we're not mind readers but we definitely are body language readers and so just ask the question you know and and if you don't like to say the word depressed then say something like i you know what i ask her is is it is it a rough day today Mm -hmm. and then she's able to say yeah it's a rough like i don't have to say are you mental you Mm -hmm. know it's Mm -hmm. just is it a rough day today yeah a little bit okay then i know that i should make adjustments as well you know the kids and everything they're being crazy and then you go you know you, you talk to them you say hey look mom's not feeling good today they don't need to know exactly what it is. Yeah. But if you just go, she's not feeling good, so we need to be a little bit better, more obedient, just, you know, do things a little bit quicker if she asks you. Mm-hmm. And, and and that makes a, I think it makes a, a big difference because you can you can tell. Yeah. Like if something changes in your body language, you can tell. You and know. so don't be afraid to ask. And then also don't be afraid to say, yeah. You know, like even if it's just a little bit, say, yeah, it's, it's a rough day. It might get better later, but right now it's mm-hmm. it's rough. Well, and I think the more often you have those checkups with each other, the less lengthy those talks are, right? right. Because husbands don't want to have a three-hour conversation about how I'm feeling emotional, yeah. right? Yeah. I know my husband does it. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to have those conversations. And I love that you're saying a, a weekly checkup or something with each other because I find the more often that my husband and I have that, like, real talk, not passive-aggressive hint dropping, like a real talk, like, I'm not okay today. I find the more that we do that, it's the less often I need to have those big, long, talk me through this type of, I need to vent or word vomit conversation. So I think that's amazing. You guys are incredible. (laughs) I'm like so (laughs) grateful that you came to share your perspectives, both of you. I think it's just something we need to hear. We haven't really had someone come on and share the story that you just shared. You know, when we first started this podcast, I thought, are all of these stories going to be the same? And they're not. We've done like 30 of them. And I just, I appreciate that you're so open about what you went through. And I love your perspective. You're super bold. Um, Brigham, you're calling out the husbands on things. (laughs) And I think that's amazing. And just that there's ownership in what husbands or partners, um, boyfriends, whatever, partners, whoever, um, is the person that's supporting the mom, whoever that is, um, how they get to support them better. So is there anything else you guys want to say or bring awareness to i would say maybe just one thing is stress points um there are things with lena that i've learned to recognize will throw her in a deep really fast and one of them is stress and so some stress is more than others um and so again if if there's things that stress you do your best to keep them away from it And, and then again if this is you listening stay away from it like it's okay um, you know, going to school, you know, I feel like that was one thing. Um, she was working up until last year, and I could tell that that was a big stressful point. And 
I mean, things happen, you know, somebody would be mean on the phone or whatever. And it was just, it was like a light switch, you know, you know, depression, no depression. It's like really, really fast. And so she quit in December. Mm -hmm. And so we have, you know, know that life is stress free, but she's so much better, like so much better. And so we're having to make some sacrifices and adjustments. But again, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really worried about what happens in the next 10 years. I'm worried about what happens in the next, you know, 12, 12 months. That's where I'm thinking. It's just, it is a bit, maybe a bit of a cliche, but one day at a time. And as long as she's here and she's getting happier, then it's it's worth it. I don't know if you heard the song. Um, oh, gosh, dang it. Who, who sings it? it but it, it, I think it's about alcoholism. Actually, what the guess is... Um, Hold on to me. I'm a little unsteady. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that song? Yeah. So in the right before he goes into that chorus, he says, uh, "If you love me, don't let go. Mm-hmm. If you love me, don't let go. Like, hang on to me, right? Mm-hmm. Hold on to me is what what the song says. I think that's a lot of times that's that's all it takes. Like, you don't need to fix anything. You don't need to you know figure it out. You just need to be there, hang on, and then just one day at a time you'll you'll figure it out because you do learn. Like Lena said, it it gets better. You know, not all at once." But you learn in and and there's I don't know, like that lady that that therapist mm-hmm. um she she taught us a lot she did you yeah know? and even though it wasn't maybe the right person but there's i mean there's a lot of resources and people out there if if you if you don't like one doctor then go to another one and then go to another one go see as mm-hmm. many as you need to until you find the right person because you you will i just think the kids to not give up like it will get better mm-hmm. little by little yeah, I agree. And and to get to know your triggers, like you were saying. Definitely. The things that, that's been the biggest tool for me, too. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for the chance to, yeah, just, just yeah, to say it. Say things. About it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.